Queen Trail podcast. Queen Trail, a woman who emphasizes a life of passion expressed through personal style, leisurely pastimes, charm, and a cultivation of life's pleasures. I am Syl Annan, and I invite you to join me in exploring and savoring life's riches and the beauty that surrounds us. In the company of friends, we can laugh, discover, appreciate, and support each other. So I hope that you will join me where I will talk about everything that makes up the rich and diverse fabric of a delightful life. Let's cultivate vibrant conversation together. Welcome. Hi, welcome back. We are on the cusp of the winter solstice and I have a great treat for you this week. I'm also a little under the weather, so you're going to hear it in my voice. But I am so excited to have been able to get together with my friend Jenny Ruiz. She's a tarot card reader, a world traveler, having a diverse family background. She lived in Ireland for nearly 13 years before returning to her native Los Angeles. And she started reading cards at the age of eight. She incorporates Loteria in a lot of her readings, and she does personal readings as well as live events. She has a master's in radio and television. She's a dancer, a lover of life, and so much more. And she has a YouTube channel. It's called Burning Times Tarot, which I'll list in the show notes. It was really a fantastic visit. In fact, I ended up with nearly seven hours of recorded material, and that's not including the non-recorded stuff when we were stuffing our faces with some truly delicious vegan and gluten-free pizza. I know, but as you'll hear at the start of our talk, we covered everything from a misunderstanding about what section of a restaurant a gift voucher was for to the artistry of baking good gluten-free bread as well as gardening, which leads into the predecessor of the winter solstice, All Hallows Eve, or Halloween. From there, we'll journey through a lot, and I hope that you'll enjoy this week's In the Company of Friends talk. So without further ado, here's Jenny Ruiz. Gift certificate, and they were like, that that voucher isn't for years. It's for like, it's just for like that part. And we were like, what? We thought we could just go in and get whatever we wanted. (laughs) And that was like our big treat. It was like the morning we were leaving, we were flying out. And it's like, okay, well, that would be like our last hurrah. It's like, we'll go and have our breakfast there. And then they were like, "Uh, no, this voucher isn't for like the dining area. It's not for the fancy side. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's so funny. Well, there's a picture of me in front of uh, the boulangerie with the, there's like a big loaf of bread in the window and I'm just like I wish I could eat you well that was so that, that was before oh like, that, that was, was before that was just me and Myri. yeah oh my gosh yeah like the La Brea bakery over here do you ever get bread from them I haven't but I noticed them uh the other day while I was driving around so I was like oh I'll have to look up like see what they've got oh my gosh um, I bet they have some gluten-free stuff there too you have to but be it was, so dedicated to make really good gluten Yes, because it doesn't rise the way that regular flour does. Yeah, I've had gluten-free breads that are like, you wouldn't even know. Mm -hmm. They're that soft and like amazing. It takes a lot of dedication because most gluten-free breads are not like that. You know, it has to be like, it's like an artisan. It is. (laughs) Kind of endeavor. I eat an avocado a day. 
because um, that's kind of my main breakfast staple is like avocado toast, you know, proper California girl favorite. I yeah. like to chunk mash it, and then I just throw a little bit of Trader Joe's has this 21 seasoning salute. And then maybe, you know, I might crush some garlic if I have time and throw that in there. I don't even bother with the salt I most do, of the time. Um, I usually do a combination. I'll do some smoked paprika, some everything but the bagel, and then a little bit of olive oil. And if I have alfalfa sprouts, I might throw some oh, alfalfa nice. sprouts on top. I love sprouts. But yeah, at, when I was in Dublin, like at my... My last job there, I was the one that was like always eating avocados in the morning. So, when you're in Dublin buying avocados, do they grow there? No, no, no they ship them in. I think a lot of them, I'd say a chunk of them come from Spain, and then the rest would come from like I think a lot of them come from Peru or something. Like they're oh. they're not usually from Mexico; they're more South America or Spain. Oh, okay. As opposed to most of the ones here, I think, are from Mexico. So your taste bud memory. Uh, are Spanish and Peruvian avocados different than Mexican and California avocados? Spanish ones are when you're in Spain. You can get absolutely amazing avocados in Spain. But the ones that have to travel to Ireland, it is not the same. I pretty much stopped eating a lot of fruit while I was there. Strawberries grow there. Mm. Like berries... Yes, you can get really lovely, like, blueberries, strawberries, blackberries, all of that. But in terms of, because I love tropical fruit, and you can get some over there, uh-huh. but none of it, it just doesn't taste. The flavor profile's not the same. It's just all flat. It feels flat because it's just been, it's usually picked too early, and then it gets shipped from somewhere, you know, it has to be flown in. Coming back here, it was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> she would literally just buy fruit and like blend it and give it to me and so watermelon was always my favorite yeah I will literally eat an entire watermelon by myself I mean I'll get stuffed and I will keep (laughs) going because (laughs) I like them so much and it was the same thing with cantaloupe I discovered that the supermarket that was across the street from where I used to work had these big bowls for five dollars just chopped up fresh cantaloupe and so one day I went over there and I couldn't figure out what I wanted for lunch and I picked one of those up and I ate the whole thing and I was like, wow, this is the best cantaloupe I've ever tasted in my entire life. So the next day I went and got it and it became a habit and I think for four months at least I was having a bowl of cantaloupe every day wow. at work. <laughs> and then I became allergic to cantaloupes. I didn't even know you could be allergic I to cantaloupe. I didn't either, but I break out in hives if I have cantaloupe. That is so disappointing. I know. I was so sad. <laughs> and it literally is level terrace apart because you, <laughs> you wouldn't have gotten allergic if you hadn't loved it so much. I know. I know. Oh, God. That's so tragic. <laughs> it was the, the great tragedy of my life. Now I can't even look at a cantaloupe. So I did get into gardening for a little while, and um, we had an allotment that was way more work. <laughs> and a lot. Gardening is a lot of work. It is. But, um, like, the easier stuff I did really well with. Um, well, we there was a lot of stuff that didn't take. The stuff that did well was, like, zucchini, raspberries, potatoes. We had some carrots. 
kale, chard, cabbage, like that kind of stuff, you know, obviously cabbage, turnips, all that stuff grows easily there. Brussels sprouts, broccoli. Even pumpkins would, they're not that common, so pretty much like at Halloween, that's when all the stores start selling pumpkins, and then once they're gone, like that's it, they're gone. And for years, the first few years I was there, I couldn't get like pumpkin pie mix, or any of that, and then I found, like, this specialty store. That's not an Irish thing, right? No, because it's, like, they just do turnips. That's because Halloween came over from Ireland. Like, Halloween started in Ireland. Yeah, it was actually Irish immigrants that brought it to the U.S., but traditionally in Ireland, jack-o'-lanterns were turnips. They became pumpkins when they moved over to the States. Okay, so how big are these turnips? Well... That's the thing, because they're not that big. I mean, yeah. the ones that I've seen, they're like that. They're not. It's, I would they don't get as big as a pumpkin. That a turnip jack o' lantern would be kind of cute. <laughs> yes. Although they're not hollow in the middle like a pumpkin is, so it'd be much harder right. to carve. So did they just paint them? They painted I, the turnips, or did they actually carve them? Yeah, because turnips are very hard. I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to look into the mechanics of that because I mean I know that they were turnips, but I don't know how how that all worked. What was the what, what was the spark that it was got started? It goes back to like the pagan. Yeah, it dated back to like paganism, and I think a lot of it was dedicated to the sun god. They would light fires. They would light bonfires, and they would dance, and it, it was, like, the time when the veil between the world of the living and the world of the dead was the thinnest, mm. and people would, a lot of times, like, wear costumes. In, the, in England, there was mummers. There are, there's still a group called the Fingal Mummers in Ireland. And what's a mummer? So a lot of them would dress up, you know, they would light the bonfires to, like, lure the sun back to earth because you know it was winter it was a time of darkness and wear masks and costumes so that like you couldn't tell who was really living and who was a ghost they roamed around but it was also um, they chant were there chants that was yeah a lot, I think a lot of mummy involves like chanting and or like singing but yeah a lot of it was because it's winter so you want to like coax the crops to come back as as spring starts to unfold it's literally like knowing you're heading into the deepest, coldest part of winter, but you're still um, reminding the sun to come back, maybe. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You're like keeping that tied to the sun so that it comes back at the end of it all. Nice. Well, that's a perfect segue to the deepest, darkest part of winter, which is going to be the winter solstice. Yes. So, yeah, the winter solstice, you know, was traditionally known as Yule. Obviously, it predates Christmas. In Ireland, they have a new grange, which is a passage tomb, and it lines up perfectly with the sun on the day of the winter solstice. It's the only day of the year where the sun shines perfectly into the passage. I have a lottery, which I entered a few years and never got in, but there is a lottery because it's, it's so small inside. You can only fit a few people. I don't think they're doing it now with COVID, but yeah, you would um, get to see the sun as it enters. In Manhattan Beach, they have a, I want to call it a sun eye. Two times a year, the sun will shine perfectly through it. Sophie and I went to go check it out a couple of years ago. It's, it's colored glass. 
it's really beautiful at the crowd that shows up just to see a beam of light coming through that usually at sunset and it's just a beautiful art piece to go yeah to i see. don't know if i heard about that but i mean um symbolically i mean in the northern hemisphere the winter solstice is the shortest day of the year and it is that time of deepest winter and you're you're basically you know trying to coax that that sunlight like hang on to that sunlight while you traverse this time of darkness until you come back into the light and again i always try <laughs> i'm terrible about explaining uh, astrological phenomena <laughs> so i kind of give it up but um I, I think especially now it's very significant because um you know we just had we're right in the middle of the full moon in Gemini, and then we're going straight into the winter solstice on the 21st, and yes. so having those very close together is one thing, but we also, so this is the final lunation of the eclipse cycle that we've been having this year with all the, the eclipses that have been now, happening. last night, was that a full moon? Yeah, so yes. it started last night, and then... Uh, continues into tonight and then it will start to wane but right now so we have venus is about to go retrograde for a couple of months it doesn't usually go retrograde for as long as it is now and she's also going to be so i think it's um i think it's venus the sun the moon and pluto but i could be wrong maybe it's not the sun but um venus and pluto and i think mercury are all in capricorn but Venus retrograde is going to be conjunct Pluto. So, again, it's like the goddess of love and the god of death. And Pluto is the planet of transformation. And Venus, when it's retrograde, because Venus doesn't just relate to love. And so it's love. It's not just romantic love. It can also, it's also familial love, platonic love, you know, any of that. But it also relates to finances. It relates to our relationship to abundance possibly to our career, you know, our relationship with things like money or wealth. And so um, I think a lot of people probably have various types of trauma around money because it is such a, a huge part of our lives. Just to bring it back around to the initial part, because um, speaking of like Venus retrograde and all of that, you know, so when planets go retrograde, like they're not actually moving backwards, but they look like they're moving backwards in the sky. And it is... Um, consider it a time to reflect and look back on where we've been and to integrate those lessons so that when the when a planet goes direct again that is that point of integration where you can then move forward and and really take those lessons and and integrate them into your life right and kind of synthesize that and um, I like that explanation because I think a lot of people go all right, what does retrograde mean? And especially with Mercury well, retrograde. And that's and the one everyone the, focuses on. And all of the um, popular notions of it, because I feel like our world has become enamored with negativity. And it's like, what's the negative value that we can spout to everybody with this? So I like what you're saying, because everybody thinks Mercury in retrograde, it means that that's automatically awful. Murphy's law is going to be in every step that you take. And And there can be an element of it. Like, (laughs) I mean, we've all, I feel like we've all experienced it. But then, um, you know, Mercury is about communication. So it is uh, an opportunity to look at the ways that we communicate interpersonally, the way that we do it on, like, a societal level. Um, 
even, uh, you know, if you want to, intergalactic level, if you want to look at it that way. Like, and internal. Venus is the only planet that is represented as feminine. You know, and obviously Venus is a goddess of love, but um, again, we, we take such a limited view of that, and one of the things I really have been talking about recently in my readings is, like, that necessity for self-love, and and something that I've am finally connecting with the value of in my own life, and so that's why I feel the need to deliver that message, because as I always say, when you love yourself, when you learn how to nurture yourself, because when you haven't learned how to properly nurture yourself, again, that's part of it is how much of it have you not received and how much of it have you not been able to accept? And so that's why receptivity is something that I've been coming back to a lot because that does tie in with your self-love. When you give that care and that, that nurturing and that love to yourself, you are, that's the energy that you are, are existing in. That's what's around you and you're opening up a space for other people to treat you that way. You do have to start with yourself. You've got to be the one that starts the foundation of, or, you know, the, the example of how you're going to be treated. You can't expect people to respect a boundary yes. that you haven't set into place for Correct. yourself and that you're not willing to honor for yourself. I heard this analogy, and think of it like being on, like, a set of stairs. There's always going to be people that are, like, two steps ahead of you and two steps behind you. And so you look to the people ahead of you to learn from them, but then you pass on what you've learned to the people that are behind you. And so that's, I feel like I'm doing that through tarot, you know, and, and hopefully other ways, like I'm working on a book at the moment as well. Are you? So yeah, it's, it's poetry. Um, Wonderful. I, I meditated on it earlier this year because I have a lot of stuff from like when I was younger that I wrote, like I used to... You know, I used to do, like, open mics, and I had had stuff published and all that, but... You broadcasted for a while? Uh, that was later, but yeah, I had the I had a radio show for four years in Dublin, a music show, and I did some arts and culture shows as well. Yeah, so you um, have a lot of creativity, a lot of knowledge sources to draw from, so yeah. I think putting out a book of poetry that really speaks to all of these various perspectives would really help a lot of people. Well, so it's, it's actually probably going to be about three or four different volumes. Oh, good. <laughs> um, the message I got was, like, you've got to get the old stuff out first. And so I was like, okay. So I started going through it. So I've been, I've been putting it together. So um, it's writing, but also, like, photos and collages that are from that time period when I wrote them. Uh, going through some, I was like, okay, some of this actually I, I'm proud of, you know, um, and so, yeah, the first volume is going to be, I think it's like 94 to 2006, because in the middle one, 2006 is when I moved to Ireland, and I was there for 12 and a half years, and so the second one is going to be stuff that I wrote while I was there, and then the third one is current, um, and so I want all the artwork as well to be contemporaneous to whenever the writing yes. is taking place. A, a big part of what I've been learning is just, like, valuing my own point of view and and I guess finally being able to say like it doesn't even matter what other people think like this is me and I'm ready to share it and I'm I am ready to believe that has some value I I love that and you know when you said that you think it's actually going to be three (laughs) three volumes you 
when Persephone is away. Right, we get fall and we get winter. But her, but Persephone's journey, it's not a diminishing because if she had stayed earthbound, she would always be a princess. It's not until she goes through the underworld that she becomes a queen. Right. And not only a queen, but she is the queen of the dead and she provides something to them. Like, she is the one that brings that care and that sense of, like, compassion and love to these, you know, souls that, you know, you could call lost or that maybe don't know where they are yet, and she is the one that helps to provide that for them. So it's not that she is powerless when she's there. She's not neutralized. Like, she is harnessing a different aspect of her power. That's what you harness doing shadow work, too. Yeah. You become the ruler of your, your darker self. Yeah, and it's not until you're able to integrate the two of those. And I mean, it's not, there's no end point. Like, we're always evolving, we're always learning. Mm-hmm. As we go, there's not an, an that's that's, that spiral that you talked about. Exactly, and so that's another thing I always try to emphasize is that it's not about being perfect. It's not about being, like, the most perfect evolved person on the face of the earth. You know, like, we're still human. But it's just about um, being to meet yourself wherever you are. It's like looking at that little diagram of what we think progress is, and it's a direct line. What progress really looks like, and it's all, yeah, it's like this jumble of lines that you you don't even know where they're going, all these knots. Absolutely. And and eventually it comes back out, and you end up where you want to be, and we just need to be much more patient about that, because there is so much beauty in the perfect imperfect. And that is something, you know, again, that's... When I started my channel, like I, I can get very perfectionistic. Is that even a word? But you know, I can. It I can, is now. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I can definitely get like analysis paralysis, where it's like if it's not perfect, I don't want to do it. And I've stopped myself from seeing so many different projects to fruition by doing that. And so yeah, like you know, my camera doesn't always focus. I'm apparently a closet luddite because there's so many. I don't. I never consider myself love but then I'm like realizing there's so many things on social media where I'm like wait how do I do that (laughs) it's all a learning process but I'm willing to do it and if some of it is unpolished I'm okay with that and so if someone doesn't like that then maybe it's just not the channel for them but it's about like being secure enough in what I have to say and what I have to offer that you know I I feel like if, if someone wants and needs the message they'll still get it and and just let myself learn as I go, and and that's been, like, really freeing for me as someone who would, you know, beat themselves up, be, you know, oh, there's a fucking typo in that, or there's, you know what I mean? Like, and I, so, it can create this very paralyzing rigidity, absolutely. and when you're in that forest, you can't see it, because every tree is, is a boxing you in. It's not until you're outside of that that you realize, I have this rigid set of expectations. Whereas when you find that sense of joy, it's actually a joyful place to be at, to be exuberantly loud, and to share what's within you, and then to see how it connects other people, how people relate to your experiences. And I found a big part of it, again, is, yeah, you make that joyful noise, but it's because it's just an extension of you, and it's detached from any, like, end result or expectation. And knowing that just exalting in your own voice and your own happiness, your own resonance, you know that in doing that, 
you are attracting other people who are on that same frequency, you right. know? And, and so it's just like this naturally symbiotic relationship. And I just am finally like inhabiting my own space and just existing through that. And, and I am, and I am, because I am, you know, connecting with more and more people that I do resonate with and that I feel connected to. And, and so it's, um, I, I'm literally watching it take shape in my own life. And I find like, yeah, it's just, it's a lot easier to show up for other people and to be more supportive mm-hmm. because you're not expending so much energy just trying to survive. Right. So that's all about shadow work and Venus being in retrograde and Pluto being it's conjunct Venus. Yeah. Um, how does that connect with the winter solstice? Um, well, I mean, it, it connects just in the sense that it's all happening within this time period. And I think, you know, again, I always say it's so like my videos, I usually have them centered around lunations or around events like this. But I consider them timeless because I, I do feel like the messages that you get, you come upon them when you need them. You know, it might be that you find it during a different full moon or maybe it's like the next time the moon is in Gemini or maybe... It, but again, it's like these events don't just happen and then they're done. It's like these are all things that we're building on. Like this is all energy that like accumulates and shifts around. So yeah, the eclipse may have passed, but that doesn't mean that its effect on us is just completely gone. Like it's a progression. And so these these energies like keep radiating throughout our lives. Um, and this has been a very unusual time. Like there's been a lot of things happening celestially that are, are quite unusual. We also have um, something called the Great Attractor or the Galactic Center, which is for the first time in a long time we had like the sun and the moon were both like aligned with the Galactic Center. So as I said, there's like the concept of receptivity and also just the concept of love in general, um, because again, we narrow that down to something so small compared to what it actually is. And I guess I've been thinking about it in a, a more universal sense in that what is love other than attraction and when I say attraction I mean like two things like being drawn towards each other and when you think about it in that sense it's more like gravity when we are resonating in that higher frequency then I feel like what we are attracting to us is the the good and the things that will be positive for us um but again so if you think of it as more like gravity than than like a human emotion per se everything is energy right and so even when you look at an atom what makes the elements of an atom hang together you know it's it's literally just attraction they're they're magnetized to each other it's very i know it's like a very overly simplistic way to to say it but everything is energy and so yeah i i I, again so that's why i keep coming back to venus and like this whole and i'm venus ruled and and i do resonate a lot with that archetype as well and then you have aphrodite is also connected to hathor in egyptian mythology and she is the bull and so again it's it's about like abundance and fertility but to me it's like that the fertility of ideas the fertility of spirit right it's so easy to say the word fertility and everybody starts thinking of babies and sex but sure really, and that is part of it it is you know? part of it but, but really there is 
such a huge expanse of what fertility can refer to. It's yes. not just a sexual base. It is a production base, and it can be a production of anything. Any of the ways that you experience that. And, you know, and then coming back to the whole integrating your light and your dark. So Hathor is also connected to Sekhmet, who is like the lion-headed goddess. And she's like the dark aspect of Hathor. So you have... Hathor, who's like the very, you know, again, it's like fertility and abundance and life, and but then Sekhmet is a warrior, and she's a protector of Ra, the sun god, and she, you know, can create utter carnage, you know, um, and she is like a goddess of war, and she can be a protectress, like she is a protectress, but it is that balance of, on the one hand, she can create, but on the other, she destroys and kind of like Kalima as well you know there's a lot of archetypes and you know Hecate as well because I mean we were talking about the underworld in Greek mythology but yeah it's that integration of the light and dark aspects of ourselves and for me of femininity as a whole like the concept of femininity we always hear about like the the loving maternal side which is a beautiful thing to embody but you you know I think without that other side it's incomplete Uh, And so it's when we can integrate, like, both of those aspects of ourselves that we really get to a place of greater understanding. And again, it just breaks down into energies. And, you know, you can say maybe creative versus destructive, but even in that, you can't really have one without the other. And so it's not a matter of, like, well, this is good and this is bad or this is positive, this is negative. It's neither and it's both and um, And that's where you get into the gray scale because there's no such thing as black or white there's all those grays in between and it's way more than 50 shades right right and it's not you know i guess on its surface it would look like a binary but it's not really a binary it's a spectrum but it is that you know if you want to say yin and yang or black and white whatever um but it's just yes this this sort of constant delicate balance of these these different energies that are happening I was thinking I would like to pull a couple of Lotharia cards for you, and then I have the Soul's Journey deck, which is like an oracle deck. So I can do that and then pull the music. Okay, so these are going to be the Lotharia cards. So they're, you know, they're not as involved as tarot. I kind of just use them as like little clarifiers. But they're just something, you know, growing up in LA, they're just something I was always attracted to. In 2018, when I got back into tarot again, I started reading Lotharia and so it's like a really nice connection to home as well and it is something that a lot of readers don't use uh there's all sorts of different systems you can use right. it's just um the level of symbolism compared to traditional tarot it's not there you know so yes. it's they're like a, a nice addition i feel let's see what we get okay. Yeah, that always seems to happen. <laughs> uh, so you have La Bandera, which is the flag, and La Campana, which is the bell, in reverse. So La Bandera is usually, it's like, you know, when we have, like, this really strong belief that we're hanging on to, you know, so you might have something that you're you're really, like, focused on and really set in your opinion on, but La Campana in reverse is, to me, I'm getting... Um, Right side up, it's it's news or it's like a realization. 
right, but in the reverse. So I'm feeling like there's there's some situation where maybe you're very attached to your opinion and you might need to maybe think about it a little bit more deeply or you might have something that's going to happen that, that might change some of your perspective on this situation and and might, yeah, give you that, that sort of additional insight or, or maybe just, you know, either change your point of view or maybe just deepen it in some way. But there, there could be something where you're, you're maybe ignoring some aspect that you need to pay more attention to. So, to clarify, we'll do, so we have the soul's journey okay. deck here. So you got peace and balance. I so like that. Peace, I am a being of love and I release all negative energy. And then balance, I bring a state of perfect harmony into my world and I do so without judgment. And so I feel like this in particular relates to the Lutheria because it's, again, that, okay, I, I have this very strong opinion about something, or I have this very, like, entrenched point of view on something, and yet maybe something will happen or something will come up that, that might um, challenge some of that, but you're, you're able to integrate it, and being able to change your mind is an important part of, of growing and evolving. Yes. You know? Um, I feel like that is part of my personality as well, or at least my perspective world, where I'm willing to examine deeply held beliefs yes. and take external information in and reassess whether that belief is valid. And what I think is really interesting is that, um, which we've been talking about the ostrich in my logo, one of the things about the ostrich is that she represents strength and balance by by being able to have her feet on the ground and her head in the sky. She has this dichotomous view that she's able to balance, but also that she has this ability to take beliefs and analyze what's going on around her to create a wiser opinion. And she's able to constantly evolve in that way. And I feel like these cards represent that really well. And I'm really interested in trying to figure out what the belief is that I'm stubbornly. Well, and it, again, it comes back to being grounded because it is important to be able to change your opinions and, and accept new information. But also when you're not grounded, and especially if you are like a more empathic person and you have that innate willingness to question yourself or, or see things from someone else's point of view, because you're, you have that willingness to question yourself and to, to try and like meet people halfway or to see things through other people's eyes, then yeah, you can, when you're not, when you're approaching that from like an ungrounded place, it can be very easy to lose sight of what your own point of view is because you just become lost in other people's points of view. And so again, it's like striking that balance. Yeah, being willing to question yourself, but also coming at it from like, but I know who I am and I know my core beliefs are. Right, having that awareness of who you are and uh, being able to find that balance between what's being told to you. Um, You know, the ostrich also represents the ability to be protective and aware of dangers. So um, there's a lot of symbolism in that and really resonate with this particular reading. And, you know, it might resonate with some listeners as well. And this is just a very brief one, but we're going to pull a song now from the Music Oracle. Okay. 
But this is In a Manner of Speaking by Nouvelle Vague. It's a cover. Nouvelle Vague is like a French group that do like bossa nova covers of 80s songs. Oh my gosh. So I have to listen to them more. Who did the original of this? It's so, I love this one as well. She keeps saying in the chorus, she says, Give me the words that tell me nothing. Give me the words that tell me everything. And it's that, again, that it's very much in that space of like disconnection of like where you're you're you know when you're coming from that space where you're like trying so hard to communicate with someone that like is unable to be open and it's it's her you know in in my mind anyways it's like her literally begging like please tell me something you know and and asking that of someone who's unable to give that and so um i'm just now i'm like trying thinking of how it might relate to the actual reading but again it's so you know you have the campana in reverse and so it's like there's this um this information or this realization that is is not has not formed yet you know so it's still that that maybe lack of clarity but i always say if something comes up in reverse it's still the energy that's around you and so it can still like move into the upright and move into the higher vibration of that so it's not that it's never going to come it's just maybe not here yet Mm -hmm. um and that's with a lot of things in life right Yes. eventually eventually it shall come to pass yeah yeah that's a very good reading and i will listen to that song i'll also list it in the show notes for um everything that we've mentioned that has the ability to be listed in the show notes I hope that you enjoyed that. Check the show notes for links and be sure to visit me at thequeentrailpodcast.com as well as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the same name. That's T-H-E-Q-U-A-I-N-T-R-E-L-L-E podcast. Don't forget to visit Jenny's YouTube channel as well as her Facebook and Instagram pages, all of which are under Burning Times Tarot. Here's to a vibrant and magical winter solstice.